1: Welcome back to our part two sit down with Miss Taylor Armstrong. And if you haven't heard part one, you have to check it out. This part two will make much more sense if you listen to that first. We talk about how when Taylor started Beverly Hills, what was her motivation? You know, now we have Erica Jane and we have Teresa Dudiche and Jen Shaw and everything comes out nowadays. But did Taylor, when I mean, she was living with this secret, like did she understand this was probably gonna come out? The abuse that she was suffering from Russell, did she want it to come out? Was this like a last ditch effort cry for help? What happens when Camille Grammer kind of outed this on the show and she denied it? Does she regret that? I mean, we go deep in part one and set this all up. So you have to listen to part one. And now a continuation, our part two, continuated sit down chat with the one, the only Miss Taylor Armstrong.
0: I pretty much cry every time still. And I think I cry because you almost made me cry just now. Um, I cry because I'm sad for that girl who spent so much time. Like I said, I look at it as another person really. And I think about knowing that anyone else could allow that many things to happen and that much torment to happen. And then anytime I talk about my daughter, you can just bring on the waterworks. And surprisingly, it still has that effect on me.
1: Well, if you cry here, you won't be the first person to cry and the <laughs> behind the Velvet Row podcast. So we, we allow that. <laughs> so you eventually filed for divorce. Do you, and then, right. So you, you filed for divorce and then shortly thereafter, Russell committed suicide. Correct. So then I, I mean, do you, this is neither here nor there, but do you go there and say, what if he didn't commit suicide? Like, were you really leaving?
0: I was definitely leaving by that point. But I will say, a really sad moment in that journey was when I was laying in the recovery room at Cedar Sinai with my mother and my best friend, who had been on this long roller coaster with me. They were sitting with me in recovery, and I was kind of in and out uh, on morphine, but. I looked up and he came into my recovery room with roses and I was scared. And of course my family was scared, but at the same time, the sad truth is that in that exact moment, I wanted him to crawl in bed with me and just lay there with me. And that's something that anytime I have, anytime I decide to tell that story, it just brings so much heartache to me that you could have someone in your life that could hurt you so badly that you have just come out of the OR and you could still want that person to stay. And actually in that moment, when I was thinking that and processing that he was standing there, I thought this is a real sickness that I have. And this has to be the end of this. Because if it is that severe and I'm still willing to take him back, then I've really hit rock bottom here.
1: Yeah. Like in a hospital bed. Yeah. Wow. Did watching back the show, I mean, I guess you've said this already kind of, but like, as you watched the show, did that lead to it at all? I mean, you know, was this was the final straw, the fracture, the fracturing of the orbital lobe. You know, you say you didn't recognize yourself, like as you watch yourself back, do you think that like either directly or indirectly led to your courage to leave? Like just watching that girl
0: on the TV? I think so. When I saw myself just mentally breaking down, and I remember Adrian saying to me, You are having a nervous breakdown. And at the time I was feeling like I'm having a nervous breakdown, like this is it. I'm I am shredded and there's nothing left. I'm I felt like I was going crazy at that point. And I definitely watching it back was very hard. We blog about the episodes prior to them coming on. So we get the discs in advance and just having to watch it and know that that happened within the year was very, very hard to watch.
1: I could only imagine. And then when this, you know, when Russell committed suicide and this is just, Like I find, you know, like you say, the college students have a lot of questions. Like I find this all just very like what range, I mean, is there a range of emotions that then go through your mind?
0: In the moment that I found him hanging, um, I can't even describe the myriad of emotions. I mean, of course, shock is the thing that I think of most. Um, and Where it didn't even seem real. I was so in shock that I thought, I don't even know if this is really happening. And after all I'd been through, you know, I was such an emotional mess anyway that it was even hard to process. But, you know, the 911 tapes are out, unfortunately, in the world. And it's just such a traumatic thing to know what that moment was like. I can't even really describe it, except it was a combination of fear and shock and everything you can imagine. Yeah. And then I imagine your thoughts also then turn to your daughter. Correct. My daughter was with me. Um, she was in the car with my assistant. And so when I was in the street and hysterical and finally had a moment to wrap myself around the fact that my daughter was in the car with my assistant. And I just immediately went into a panic mode about how to get her out of the area before all the emergency services vehicles came and the police and everything else. I just knew it was going to be such a complete disaster and it was going to be so terrifying for her. So that was my next focus. And the minute I got her down the hill to safety, then I could go back into worrying about everything else, all the ramifications and The shock of it all.
1: And then, like, when the shock of it all wears off, is there then, you know, relief?
0: The next day when I woke up, and I have to say, I had such a great group of friends around me. They spent the night at the house. The next morning, they were there. My friend Wendy Birch from KTLA was standing out front, managing all the media and paparazzi and everything, trying to stave them off. And I had two of my girlfriends were laying in bed with me. And I think everyone was just thinking as cracked as they'd seen me over the last year, like this was going to be the end of it. You know, this isn't going to be the end of her. So they were really guarding me a lot. Um, But when I first woke up, I thought this didn't really happen. And it was just so unfathomable to me to think that this was reality, pardon the pun, but um, it took a few, probably a few days to really have it sink in and to even get emotional about it. It was like, I was a real deer in the headlights for a while.
1: And then you're emotional just because of a lot of things, but then is there that like relief?
0: I don't know if relief ever really sat in for me. Um, I do remember a couple of my girlfriends saying, this is the best thing that could have happened for you. And when they would say that, I would feel horrible about that, you know, that I don't want to feel like this was something good for me, you know, but as far as a protection standpoint is what they meant. And that took me a while to think. I I was really fortunate because often in domestic violence cases, the majority of the time when murder-suicide occurs, that is, has a history of domestic abuse. So in recognizing that more and more and being so thankful that my life and my daughter's life were spared, I guess in those moments, I was somewhat thankful. But of course, I wasn't thankful that someone lost their life.
1: Right. That all makes a lot of sense. I mean, no one could blame you for having this range of emotions. I mean, it's a lot. Are you able to now, like, as you travel across country, like you wrote a book, you speak on this all the time, like, are you able to spot, you know, characteristics, like if you're out, you know, hanging out with friends or at a dinner party, like, are you able to spot things like, okay, I see something here.
0: I definitely think I'm more aware of um, watching couples and how they interact. And if you see a couple like arguing in a restaurant, you know, you can tell like if it's over something stupid like their kids or, or if it's something more real than that. And watching season one, even watching the interaction between um, Russell and myself, I saw so many unhealthy things and that was on camera. So it was real evident to a lot of people just by seeing that. And as season one was airing, a lot of people were speculating like they have problems. There's got to be something going on because you could just tell it was awkward when the two of us were together.
1: Yeah. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. You know, everyone always asks me like how I deal with the internet trolls, like all the listeners who have something to say about the housewives and leave negative comments all day on Instagram. Listen, I have to tell you, I'm really serious when I say that the comments don't bother me at all. And the only reason why is because I've worked on my mental health. I mean, mental and physical health, there's really nothing more important because when you work on yourself and you have that clear mind nothing can bother you, you're comfortable, you're happy inside. And the long-term effects of therapy and working on your mental health really can help strengthen your relationships and give you a more positive outlook on life. And for my mental health, I've turned to talk space because listen, first of all, it's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy, but really I love that I can reach out to my therapist and get my therapy and work on myself from anywhere in the world. You don't have to wait for an appointment or go into an office. And their licensed therapists are trained to handle just a variety of specialties. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use code VELVET to get $100 off your first month. That's VELVET and Talkspace.com. Oh my God, I have to tell you guys, The Envelope is back with more podcast episodes from the LA Times. And listen... I'm so excited. Now you can hear Emmy-nominated actors and directors ahead of the big night. And you guys know I love the Grammys. I love, listen, I love it all. I love the Oscars. I love every award show, which is one of the reasons why I love listening to The Envelope. But nothing is better for me, then the Emmys, TV is everything. September 12th is the big night for the Emmys. And now you can head to the envelope and you can listen to these actors and directors ahead of the big night. So listen, some of their upcoming guests include Bill Hader, Melanie Linsky, And Coleman Domingo from Euphoria. These guys at The Envelope that are doing these interviews, they're from the LA Times. So, you know, if you think I know what I'm doing, these guys are professionals. You can download and listen to The Envelope from the LA Times wherever you get your podcasts. Catch up now because hey, September twelfth and the Emmys are just only a few weeks away. That's right. The envelope is back with more podcast episodes from the LA Times. What about who was there for you the most? Like, it sounds like it was Adrian, or like, and who who are you still close to today out of this cast from season one, two, three?
0: I would say that Kyle and I were the closest after everything um, we had, and how how it was have had a great relationship and. We had our little girls and she and I lived about three streets apart. So during that time, I wasn't leaving the house much. And I remember one night she and um, Lisa came over and Ken came and I had dance party on Xbox 360 for my daughter, you know, because since we're stuck in the house and so she would come do dance party and Lisa and Kyle had a dance off at the house. And so that's at least one moment that we were had a little bit of laughter during all of it. Um. But definitely Kyle and Lisa were there for me the most. Adrian and I had a lot of tension in our relationship toward the end and toward the finale, because at that point, I think she was so fed up with the roller coaster that, you know. I, I hate him. I love him. I hate him. I love him. And you got to go with me. You have to hate him when I hate him and love him when I love him. And she was just completely fed up after so many years by my side. And that happens so frequently in these situations. And I always just say to people, please try to stand by a victim and don't, walk away from them. I know the roller coaster isn't fair and it's really difficult, but everyone needs an exit plan. The most dangerous time in an abusive relationship is when someone decides to leave because abuse is all about control. So the biggest time when someone's losing control is when the victim finally says, I'm out. Now all control is lost. And that's when the real crazy things can potentially happen.
1: Right. Because it is all about control. And then there's no control. I mean, you're, you're leaving. Yes. Was that why, and we don't need to dwell on this too much, but like, was that, do you think what it was for Russell? Like, just, I mean, was it like, you're really leaving? Like, I can't handle this. Or was it like, this is a TV show and this is now coming out about me? Or was it like all the financial stuff that then came out after that he was in such debt? Or was it like probably all of the above?
0: I think it was a combination. It was interesting because after one of my girlfriends used to tell me, if you would just stand up to him, he wouldn't treat you like this all the time. And There's a risk in that. I'm not recommending that. Um, He had told me on a few occasions, the next time I hit you, you should hit me back. And then one day he was hitting me in the car and I kind of threw my hand up at him and he grabbed a hold of my hand and he looked at me like that was going to be the day he was going to kill me. And the next day he said, don't ever hit me back again. That was a terrible idea. And so he would try, I think, to find a way to say, okay, I know I'm wrong. So next time I hit you, hit me back, but he shouldn't even be thinking like, okay, the next time I hit you, you know, it should be, I'm not ever going to hit you again. And then we don't even have to have this conversation. But, um, I think that when. When I finally left and I filed for divorce, there were several things going on. One, he was very concerned that I was going to press charges and what that would look like from a criminal standpoint. And then there was some chatter that even if I didn't press charges, that the DA in Beverly Hills might do something in that vein because it was such a public case. And um, so there was that looming around. And then the financial pressure, which I wasn't aware of, but later all came out and was all left to me, unfortunately. And so when he committed suicide, there were so many things looming out there that I think it was a myriad of things. I wasn't aware of all the financial problems until of course I was left with all of them. Um, So I know that was a big deal to him. And then the other thing was he was concerned that I was gonna press charges and what the criminal implications of that would be. And then there was also some chatter that perhaps the DA would press charges anyway, whether I did or not, um, because it was such a public case. And, but I have to say, after I finally filed for divorce, he had never been nicer to me. And he was really trying to keep me under control to not press the charges. And he was constantly willing to talk about custody or settlements Pretty much anything I wanted to talk about, which is how I ended up finding him, was I had a meeting scheduled at his office to talk about all of those things leading to the divorce. And when I showed up, he wasn't there. And it just instantly had me thinking crazy things because he was so determined to do whatever I wanted to do in order to make this go smoothly. And that's when the wheel started turning after hours of not being able to reach him I thought something's definitely wrong.
1: Really? Just because he was being so nice regarding the divorce.
0: And he was such a workaholic for him not to be in his office for hours on end. And it was a Monday, you know, it just was so out of character. And so that was a real, I don't know. I just had a weird feeling in my, in my gut about the whole thing as the day went on. And then was it, cause
1: like there's right, the psychology that there's the control aspect, but also because like the narcissism is associated like with this type of, you know, abusive personality? Like, was it the narcissism of like, people are going to find out like not even the legal aspects of like my life could be ruined, but like, people aren't going to love me. Like they're going to know the truth. Like, does that factor into like, like a characteristic of an abuser, like when it's going to be something public or not necessarily, if that makes any sense.
0: I definitely think that the whole case uh, becoming public about the abuse was terrifying for several reasons. He was in the financial industry and most of his clients and people were in Beverly Hills. And he knew that behind all the other financial problems he was having, that he wasn't going to be having clients. I mean, people were going to abandon him over all of this.
1: That makes sense too. Do you watch Beverly Hills Housewives? I'm just switching gears now. Do you watch Beverly Hills? Have you watched it throughout the years? So just when I was saying to myself, what am I gonna watch during August? Because really there's nothing starting until September. Oh my God, you guys, we have an exciting announcement. Friday, August 12th on VH1, RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race is back. And this time around, nine stars are going to face off for the first time ever as show-stopping drag queens. But there's a twist. They're keeping their identities a secret from everyone. It's kind of like the mass Singer meets Drag Race. This is like the most brilliant idea ever. That's right. They're leaving their famous personas behind to transform into completely unrecognizable drag queens. Can you even imagine, think of like your favorite celebrity. Now imagine that celebrity in drag. They might be on this season, but to take on this challenge, of course, they're going to need a little help from all of our favorite drag legends, Jujubee, Brooklyn Heights, Monet Exchange. They're going to be helping out to get all of our secret celebs in tip-top shape to compete in the ultimate lip sync showdown. And then each week, these mystery queens will perform with everything they've got to impress, all our favorite judges, Carson Kressley, who was on this very podcast here, Michelle Visage, Ross, Matthews, and of course, the one, the only RuPaul. And then each week, the eliminated queen must show their face to the world in a celebrity reveal, which, oh my God, it's going to be so shocking. And in the end, one secret celeb will be crowned the winner. Who will be America's next celebrity drag race superstar? Well, you're going to have to wait and see, but not too long. Don't miss the promotion of RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race Friday, August 12th at 8 p.m. on VH1. I can't freaking wait.
0: And hey, you know, we're going to be talking about it on this podcast here. I do not watch the Housewives shows and not because I don't think they're great, but truly it's so hard for me to see my friends argue with one another, because I know what those feelings are like. And it almost brings up an anxiety for me, especially when Kyle and Lisa were still on the show. I was just waiting for that um, to blow up eventually. And it was, it would have been just way too painful for me to watch.
1: Well, you know, did you, I'm sure you've heard like a Lisa sent over her check as a joke to Kyle at dinner. Did you hear all this? Do you know what I'm I talking about? I haven't
0: heard this. No, but I'm interested. <laughs>
1: They were in the same restaurant and Kyle was with a producer, I think from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but whoever it was, maybe it wasn't. It's the same producer that works on Overserved, Lisa Vanderpump and Vanderpump Rules. So they both knew this person. Alex. Yes. And Kyle was <laughs> having dinner with him and Lisa, she left an imprint of her credit card. She didn- was not dining and dashing, but as a joke, she told the waiter to send her check over to Kyle. Okay. And the producer and the check was not paid. They did not pay it. So they ended up running Lisa's, but Lisa was like, it was a joke. So you, you're still friends with both of them, right? Yes. So, you know, if this bothers you, should we look to Taylor Armstrong? Maybe, can you, can you make this work? For the rest of the
0: world, Taylor? (laughs) I would love to. I care for both of them. And when they're together and things are good, they're absolutely hysterical. And I think it's funny and almost like a little bit of extending the olive branch that Lisa would do something like that, you know, as opposed to just blowing it off and walking away. I think it's funny. Um, And that is so, so fitting of of Lisa's personality. Um, But when they're together and they're good, they're great. But, you know, it's hard to have two queens. It is hard to have two
1: Queens. I mean, have you ever thought of like, just, you know, staging a like I'm going to have dinner with Kyle. And then you, you know, you're just bringing them together without telling the other one. And there you are. Or do you think that would backfire (laughs) on Taylor Armstrong?
0: Oh my gosh. It sounds terrifying. I don't know. (laughs) I like it. Part of me likes it. I'll tell you what sometimes we say on TV or used to say uh, the producer in me thinks it's a great idea. The human being in me finds it terrifying whose wrath would you be more afraid of at that point if neither of them were happy to be in this restaurant? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, probably Lisa. I don't know that I would push her buttons as, as much as I could probably push Kyle's a little bit more.
1: I would be afraid to be on Lisa's bad side. Yeah. <laughs> what about, you know, how do you feel about, you know, because to me, even though you don't watch it, you know, you hear things that happen in Beverly Hills, you know, in the beginning, if you look at like your seasons, the first few years, it wasn't just like what you were going through and with Russell, but like, you know, Kim and Kyle, that's real sisters, you know, Kim's alcoholism came out, like, these were real issues. Do you think like Beverly Hills has gotten away from that, you know,
0: and now it's more like a watered down reality? The thing that's hard for me is when they insert these artificial relationships, because I think the audience can read that. And for instance, when they brought Brandy on, she was not friends with any of us and we didn't know her. And they had discovered after season one that because we had all become so close that they probably weren't going to get as much drama as they might want. So they brought her in as a catalyst and she did a great job with that. But when they, I feel like it's real obvious that, if I were having a party, I wouldn't be inviting her because she's not in our friend group and I don't know her. And so some of that bothers me.
1: So what you're saying is it was relatively authentic during the time you were there, you were friends with everyone, but then you have people like Brandy Glanville.
0: The thing that's hard is when you are such close friends you don't want to hurt one another and the conflict is very emotional. And I think that is why our seasons were so realistic is we really cared for one another. And I know me personally, it's, you can't really hurt me if I don't care about you. And I think that was this, the whole system that worked was that all of us really cared. And that's what made the tension so high and the emotions so high. And then in season two, when they inserted Brandy in the mix and none of us knew her and none of us had emotions about her. And she was such a catalyst for, disaster all the time um it lost some of its authenticity and i see that with a lot of the other housewife shows where the feelings don't seem like they're really real
1: do you are you like aware when like because brandy always seems to get herself in the press these days still she's still talking i mean like were you aware like in like the whole like denise and brandy thing and did they sleep together or did they not Denise Richards and Brandy. Were you aware of all that that was going on? I know you don't watch
0: religiously. I heard a little bit about it, and it just like it's a, such an eye roll for me because uh, she just consistently needs to insert herself in stuff because she wants to be relevant. But who knows? I think Denise is such a sweet person, and I don't know her well, but I don't believe a single word that comes out of Brandy's mouth. So I, I really doubt any of it to be true. She just always wants to be in the middle of things.
1: I was like, and now Denise has moved on, she's left and she actually left on her own. So, I mean, I don't necessarily blame her.
0: I was shocked that she ever even joined the cast. Denise is, um, you know, she's had a long career in, in Hollywood. And I was taken aback when I found out she was even gonna go on the show.
1: Like, to your point of everybody being friends, like, do you like the idea of, like, you know, Rinna and Eileen Davidson and Garcelle? And, you know, we have all these true actresses now that, like, are on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or have come and gone. Like, what do you think about, like, actresses being part of this
0: show? In the beginning, I I think that um, Housewives in general was really reluctant to have actresses on because they thought perhaps people, the audience, would not see that as authentic. They would wonder if they were acting. Um, I think Renna's a great fit on Housewives. Um, I I didn't know Eileen, and I didn't really think that she was as compelling, but I think Renna's a great fit.
1: I think this is the role that Renna was born to play. I mean, Days of Our Lives in Melrose Place move over because I think she's a great fit too. <laughs>
0: I I adore her as a person. And I think that she is, like you said, this is probably the role she was always meant to do. (laughs) Is she really
1: fun to hang out with in real life?
0: She's very fun. Absolutely. She seems like a lot of fun. Why would you go back now? I would go back to housewives now because my life is so very different and During the seasons that I was on, I had so much turmoil in my home life that I didn't get to be as authentic when I was with the cast. Um, I was always worried about what repercussions things would have with my home life, and now I have such a supportive husband and I could really open up and be more of myself and I'm back to my happy self and I'm able to be fun loving and live in the moment as opposed to always being concerned about the ramifications or what might happen when I get home. And um, so just having the freedom to really be myself and having a support system around me, I, I, use the reference but it's like i have my mauricio and my kin like lisa and kyle have and having that to go home to um i believe makes all the difference in how i would behave on the show
1: you mean if you go back we may not see any new cat memes with taylor armstrong (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't think there'll ever be a replacement for the original cat meme. <laughs> I don't think so either, Taylor. I, I don't think there's gonna be
1: any housewife meme that will ever replace that particular Taylor Armstrong cat meme. <laughs> but we would see we would see a different Taylor. So I think I'm I'm all for that, right? If 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 you yeah. went back.
0: Yeah, I think it would be interesting for me to be able to be who I really am as opposed to the ghost of myself that I was during those years.
1: What show would you go back to though? RHOC or RHOBH?
0: Well, therein lies the problem. So I, um, Andy is not, open to having people switch cities. So <laughs> I guess I would I would have to go back to RHOBH, although I think it would make sense for me to be on Orange County. Um, I know he doesn't like the city switching because it seems inauthentic, but it, it's different if it was, let's say, an, a New York housewife who all of a sudden was on Beverly Hills. It, I think that reads a little more false than someone who lives who lived 45 minutes away from here, 30 minutes, however, depending on traffic, um, who it's, you know, still California. There's some similarities there. And I think it's a little bit more believable that way.
1: And I think it's like, in a way, you're not switching cities. It's not like you were there last season and now you're back. It's been so long, 11 years, as we pointed out at the beginning of this. I don't know. I, I think it's time to shake the rules up a little bit. All right, well, you make the call. (laughs) I mean, you live there, you're friends. Are you friends with anyone like Kelly Dodd, Gina Kirshenheider, Emily Shannon, like any of these folks that were there at I
0: am friends with uh, Kelly Dodd and she and I actually have a long history. So I know some of the others, but just, I know them. I don't know them well. (laughs)
1: Let me make a few calls on your behalf and I'll get back to you.
0: Okay. Perfect.
1: (laughs) Have your people call my people. I will. Looking back, would you, what advice would you give to Taylor Armstrong, 2010, you know, signing up to join Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, like knowing what you know now?
0: That is a really good question. Um, I just wish I would have been more of myself. Um, I wish that I could have enjoyed the ride more and not let all the pressure surrounding my marriage have such a huge effect on my participation. I feel that I would have liked to just had a lot more fun with it and not let all the fear surrounding my personal life have such a huge effect on it.
1: Do you think to that effect, like America, you know, because like we all remember everyone, whether they've been on yesterday or like, do you think America has it wrong when it comes to you? Like, do you think you're misperceived or, you know, like you said, like you're fun and, you know, your life is great now. Like, do you think when people think of you from Beverly Hills, like they have the wrong perception?
0: When I shot, when I started watching season one and one of my best friends, lifelong friends, called me and said, I don't know who that girl is on that show, but it's not you. It's nothing like you. And I don't know what's going on with you, but um, I'm worried about you. And that makes me sad because that is how I am perceived. And I think a lot of people have. Um, a sadness um a perception of sadness around me and i would like the opportunity or you know you're giving me part of that opportunity to let people know that that is not who i am and that that sadness is gone and it is something that i've moved on from and i i like to be able to share that so thank you and um A lot of what I do with public speaking, I get the opportunity to talk about how that was a lifetime ago for me and that that part of me is recovered. Um, So, yeah, I think there is a misperception about who I am because of the stress and fear that I was living with.
1: Well, you're welcome. I'm glad to give you this opportunity. Thank you for joining us. So on that note, how is Kennedy and your husband and, you know, this new life? Like, how's, how's everyone doing?
0: Everyone in my life is doing really well. Kennedy's 15 and um, she's done a year of school at home. Um, so that I'm happy that she's gonna have the opportunity. This was her freshman year in high school, so she's never had the high school experience. So mm. going into next year, she's gonna get to have that. And she's just doing great. I mean, and I couldn't ask for anything more. I mean, she is a teenager, so <laughs> as with all teenagers, there are good days and bad. But, <laughs> but she's healthy and happy and she's really doing well. She has tons of friends and, um, my husband's doing great also. And he and I spend, um, pretty much every moment we can together. So that's, um, really incredible.
1: That's amazing. When you look back, you know, because this is your life now, you know, do you just say like, cause a lot of women or even people just don't come out the other side. Like, do you really have that sense of appreciation of like, you know, wow, wow like, I'm so lucky.
0: I absolutely am so, so thankful. And um, especially when it comes to my husband, when he asked me to marry him, I said, I would marry him, but that he could not ask me to change in any way, because I was just trying to figure out who I am, again, who I was, again, um, after changing so much in my previous marriage. So I just appreciate the fact that uh, with all my flaws, he is a hundred percent happy with all of them. And, um, I, we joke because I'm a Gemini. And so he, there, he says he doesn't know which eight of me is going to wake up every day, but he loves all eight of us.
1: (laughs) Is this why you and I get along so well? I am a
0: Gemini too. When is your birthday? It's June 10th. When's yours? June 9th, baby. What? No way. I just met someone the other day who was a June 9th birthday. Wow. Okay. That is why we get along so well. I love Geminis. And my husband is a Libra and Libras and Geminis get along really well. So I'll just chalk it up to the stars. (laughs) Geminis and Libras get along very
1: well. And I too absolutely fucking love Geminis. We are, we're the most misunderstood
0: sign in the whole Zodiac. And we are, we're good. We are good. And I think we are misunderstood within our own selves because there's just so many personalities living inside of us. We have a lot going on, don't
1: we? <laughs> we have a lot going on, but we're fun girls. We're fun. Geminis are you fun. Are I'm like, oh my God, I'm the day before you. I'm like, I knew I liked you for a reason, but really I have so many Geminis in my life. Like I just get along really well with Geminis. I just like, I get it. I you too. When you- well, you know, you say you're really lucky and this is your new life. Do you think by watching the show that, like, well, not even that, do you think like being a part of this show, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, like, do you think being a part of this show saved
0: your life? I think that being a part of this show did have a part in saving my life. Um, through all the tragedy, I believe that it gave me a window to escape what was happening in my life.
1: Well, that's great for, you know, it's totally worth it then. I agree. <laughs> what do you, before we wrap up two things, what do you want to say to, you know, cause I know this is your work now and you travel around and you speak on this, you know, at colleges and universities and like, what do you want to say to women or, you know, anyone that's listening to this, that is in a situation like yourself, you know, back then, cause we have a lot of people listening.
0: One thing I would say is that holding out hope, if you are in an abusive relationship, that things are going to change on their own, they're not. Um, Violence escalates. I've worked with women all over the world, actually, and listened to their stories. I've been behind bars in the Bronx, I've been in shelters uh, in Beverly Hills, and no one has ever said to me, Oh, all of a sudden the abuse just stopped. Because it doesn't. Violence escalates. It always does. And it's not going to change unless you have some form of intervention, be it through a psychologist or friends and family. And you need to have an exit plan because violence escalates even more when an abuser loses control because that's what abuse is. So before you leave, you need to make sure you have a safe place and that you have a plan in place.
1: Right, because it's based on control and when you're leaving, that's when someone realizes that the control is finally over.
0: 100%, and most people return multiple times. So keep your friends and family close. Isolation is a very common event with abusers and you need to stay in contact with your friends and family as best you can. And not to allow yourself to be isolated.
1: Thank you for sharing that. What is next for you? What do you have? What, what What are you working on in life now?
0: So I am involved in a new project. It's Women Helping Women. And it's for women to make money from home. Um, it's a company called Karma Jackets. And that's just karma, K-A-R-M-A, jackets.com. And it is... Home parties with really cool fashion and women can make money and take care of their families and do it all from home. I love it. When is that? Is is that out now or it's launching soon? It is launching soon. We're finishing up everything in the middle of June. So it will be out. Uh, There is a website up currently, but I'd love for women that want to make some money to go to the site and get involved.
1: I love it. Anything else you want to share with us today? Anything else I didn't cover? I like to give people a chance at the end to bring up anything I did not.
0: You know, I think it's been really fun. And um, I hope that people enjoy our podcast together.
1: This was great. I really appreciate all your time. We will hang when I'm in the OC. We'll, you know, me, you and Lynn, I'm sure we'll get into some trouble.
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It'll be <laughs> you fun. Know, everything, trouble always starts out as fun. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like you know,
1: and we're two Gemini, so and I don't know what Lynn is, but you know, the two of us are all you need. It's fine. We'll we'll make it. <laughs> Thank you. Where can everyone find you on social media?
0: You know, I'm a Twitter girl at Taylor Armstrong. Um, we talked about the fact that my Instagram has been so crazy uh, messed up, but um, I do have at, at Taylor Armstrong on Instagram also. So at Taylor Armstrong, that's me.
1: Amazing. I really appreciate this. Keep in touch. You're the best. Thank you for sharing everything and being so open and honest.
0: Thank you, honey. Okay. Take
1: care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope, because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope.